It's Robin Marshall. I call myself Sugar Mom, and I welcome you to my world. Although, if you really knew what was going on in my world, you'd run like freaking hell. I feel I'm at the time in my life where I should be old enough and smart enough to make all the right decisions. But I feel more stupid today than I did when I was 25 years old. And it all has to do with men. Has nothing to do with my career. Has nothing to do with my children, my family, my well-being. I'm taking care of myself. But I am this close to having a nervous breakdown. Why? Because I continue to make poor choices when it comes to men. What is wrong with me? Do you find yourself in the same position? How many men can a woman go through before she knocks herself in the head and says it's enough? You know, there are times I'm looking at other women now thinking maybe I belong with a woman instead of with these imbeciles that I've been dating or seeing or involved with or living with. I'm not crazy. I'm, I'm seriously not crazy. I know I'm not crazy. But I'm doubting myself because these men are making me think I'm crazy. <sighs> Let me just paint the picture. I was married for 26 years, right? Loved him very much, you know, the first 10, 15 years when all hell breaks loose with your children and your jobs and your carpooling and, and running around like lunatics, for lack of a better word trying to get your kids from carpool A to carpool B. And when you have five kids, there's really no time for you to stop and look at each other and say, hey, what have I been missing? Really? We're talking about real life here, not Candyland or The Wizard of Oz. And then when you finally open your eyes and you realize that marriage, that relationship is just not working, and you make that decision do I leave? Do I stay? Do I pretend to be like I'm where I want to be? Or do I go and try something new that's scary? It's scary out there. You finally make that decision and you cut it. You do what you think is right for the both of you and your children because you don't want to be living a lie in front of your children because they'll grow up and consider you to be liars when their marriages don't work and they'll point at you and say, well, why did you do it? When I should do it, or I shouldn't do it if you didn't do it. And you know what I mean. It's a vicious circle. We never wind up doing the right thing in our kids' minds or our spouses. Okay, so we make that big, bold move. We leave our partner, our husband. We tiptoe into the next world. The world of trying to find what we think we've been missing. And God damn it, I know I was missing something. I find the first man. Well, he's married. But he says he's miserable. And who better to relate than me? And I'm the type that loves to talk and listen and, and digest and work my mojo into a conversation just to see what I can bring out of it. And before you know it, this man is telling me he doesn't want to be married. He wants to leave his wife. They've been miserable for years. And I'm saying to him, well, I just did that. So, you know, if there's anybody in the world that understands you, it's me right now. And I started to get closer and closer, as did he with me, until he said to me, that's it. I'm going to leave. And he wound up living with me 
for a good three, four days out of the week while he said he was traveling. And then he would go home and live with his wife for the weekends while he was building up the courage to do this. This monstrous move. More of his things moved into my home, just like more of his heart moved into my soul. Until the day came where we sat down on the couch and he looked at me and said, I just can't do it. I can't rock her world. I can't ruin my family's lives. But it's okay for him to ruin mine. And that's what he did. He got up, and that's the last time I saw that man for a good while. While he was gone and out of my life, there's been so much chaos that's happened in my world since that day of departure. Let me just stop for a minute because I'd like to ask you, If you wouldn't mind, whether you're listening on iTunes or Audioboom, could you leave me a review? Let me know what you're thinking about the things that I've recorded and talked with you about. Let me know if you're in the same boat with a lot of the things that we've been discussing. Maybe click a couple stars or even just leave a comment. Tell me how you feel. Could you date two men at the same time, for instance? Anyway, not only was I trying to date, I was trying to finish my book. A book I'd been writing in my head and on paper for a good two, three years. I thought now that he was gone, maybe it would give me more incentive to finally finish that book. And then I met character number two. Character number two was a brilliant man who was a consultant for many different parts of the United States military, like a scientist type of guy. And this is the man that jogged my brain enough to shake some of the cobwebs loose so I could finish my book. But the problem was I was still in love with the first poor choice. So the second guy that I wound up staying with And being honest with and telling him the whole time I wasn't in love with him. But he was in love with me. So it sort of became like this safety zone. Like I was safe in this little bubble area. And I tried and I tried, tried, tried to fall in love with this man. But I couldn't do it. And as a result, he became insulting and expecting of everything from me. Poor choice number two lasted a good three years. We would spend every weekend together, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it would never be enough. I was never enough. And you know, from his perspective, I guess I understand it. But if you're not in love, you're just not in love. And I don't think you can force yourself. If anybody tried, it was me. It just didn't work. And as a result, he became very bitter towards me made my life miserable. And guess who I started to see? Mistake number one. I bounced from one mistake to the second mistake back to the previous mistake. I'm a glutton for punishment. That's what my mother would have called me. Then, if you've followed my story from previous podcasts, I was seeing both of them. I didn't know how to walk away from mistake number two because I was really afraid I would hurt him terribly, and yet I couldn't let go of error number one, who came back, because I always loved him. 
Right about now, you're probably saying to yourself, you know, there's something wrong with that woman. Well, I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. It's called poor judgment. It's called setting yourself up for disaster. Finally, break it off with the second guy. And I say to the man who is still married that I've been in love with for years, dude, I'll still see you, but I've got to see other people at the same time. I can't let myself fall prey or victim to you for the second time. I just can't do it. So if you can deal with that, I would love to continue seeing you because, you know, there was just something about him. I just couldn't get enough of being with him. He made me feel safe and protected and pretty. You know, it's not every man that can make a woman feel beautiful. He agreed. If I were him, I don't know if I could have done it. But he was married. He knew he either had to do it my way or hit the highway. And he agreed. And we did for quite a while. In the meantime, my second Mr. Mistake has threatened my life, threatened my children, told me what a piece of shit I am after having bought me so many things that I had asked him not to ever buy me while seeing him. Almost like he was trying to buy me off, you know, to buy my love. You can't do that. And now he was at the point where he was emailing me lists and lists of decibel points, showing me the dollars and cents that he had spent on me over the last three years. Now, come on. A real man does not do that. And did I ask for anything? Hell no. And if I could give it all back, I would. I'm not a spoiled brat. I didn't say, give me this, I want that. He continued to offer the whole time I was with him. I continued to say no. He continued to insist. I got tired. I said, okay. Now he wants it all back. In dollars. During this time, constantly sending me harassing emails. Along with emails to my children. To the point where I had to call the police. And ask for their advice. How do I get this man to stop and just leave me be? This is my life in the last three, four years. And it gets better. I meet somebody else while I'm with the man I love. The man that's married that won't leave his wife that allows me to see other people because I left man number two. I meet man number three. <laughs> this is nuts. <laughs> But the thing is, I didn't know that man number three meant that much to me. I just saw him more often than I dated anybody else while I was seeing the man that I love. What woman sees two men at the same time, especially when one of them is somebody she loves? I know it sounds crazy, but I was protecting myself because of what he did to me the first time when he left. I figured if I could see him and spend as much time with him as he was able to give... That would be good for me as long as I was able to see somebody else or try and find that person that I wished would be him. Does that make any sense? Anyway, I meet man number three. I start to see him more often and my lover man recognizes the symptoms. He sees the stirrings in me towards the right when he's to the left. And I started to get closer to this new guy to the point where My married man says to me, that's it. 
I cannot live my life like this anymore. I think he's telling me he's leaving, you know? But, you know, I've got this new guy and I'm, I'm sort of looking at him out of the corner of my eye. There's, there's hope there. It's the first time I've felt hope since I met this first man. No, what he was saying to me is, I can't spend the rest of my life without you. I'm leaving my wife. Imagine my shock. He put me in a position where I had to say to him, okay, give me a date that you plan on doing this, and then I'll say goodbye to this other guy because it would be the right thing to do. Don't tell me you're going to leave as you did the first time and then come back after I drop this new person and say you've changed your mind. And he got that. And he did it. He left his wife. He told her he wasn't in love with her. I went to this man that I had been seeing, the new man, and I told him the truth about what I had been doing and what I was involved with and how I knew that I had feelings for him, but I had to see this through. I had to, because it wouldn't have been fair to any of us. I would always wonder... Did I do the right thing by letting my first lover go back to his wife and saying, no, don't leave your wife? Would I have done the right thing by this new man, by going with him and always wondering if I was still in love with him over here? It was a very tough spot, but I did it. He left his wife. He filed for divorce. I let go of the man I was dating And my man that I had been in love with forever, it felt like, moved in to my home with me, where we lived for three months. Three months of him listening to his family badger the shit out of him. His mother telling him, I haven't been in love with your father for 50 years, but I didn't leave him. His wife begging for him to come back. His children calling me a whore and a monster and a witch. It had been a nightmare. And as much as I was in love with him and thought he was in love with me, I saw the writing on the wall. And apparently so did he. Can I break in here for a minute and just ask you to please... Whatever device you're listening on or program, whether it's Audioboom, iTunes, any one of the podcast platforms, would you mind leaving me a review? Tell me if you agree with the things I'm saying or if they're so out of your comfort zone that you could never relate. For instance, could you be with a man for two or three years that you weren't in love with and tell him the truth the whole time and stay Also, if you like what you're hearing, maybe you could click a few stars, just to let me know. Now, while all of this is going on, one little teeny factor I forgot to mention, I have cancer. (laughs) I'm going through chemo treatments. This is my second time. This time I'm lucky. I don't lose my hair. I didn't gain weight from steroids. I look just normal. But I am a little skittish and a little edgy, and I don't feel well on the weeks that I get chemo. You know, I don't think there's a cancer patient that's still alive that will tell you that chemo doesn't affect them in some way, shape, or form. And so I'm about to start round four 
of my six-month chemo regime. And this man who's been living with me, who I've noticed in the last two weeks, is sort of pulling away. He's somewhere else. He's vague. He's not as demonstrative as he normally is. I couldn't remember the last time I'd heard him say, I love you, or made me feel wanted. It was almost like he was biding time. And I pushed the thought away because I didn't want to think it or even feel responsible for owning it. But there came that day. He looked at me and he said, it's all about you, isn't it? And I looked at him like I didn't know what he was talking about. He said every time he would talk to his family and make a move to try and make things better or if things did progress and get better, all I would ask about was, did you talk about me? Which is not the truth. When I would see that he was making progress with his folks or his family or his children, I would say, are they still calling me a whore? Have you been able to say anything nice about us? That's all. I wasn't looking to meet them, greet them, or eat them, for God's sake. I just wanted him to be happy, and I wanted myself to feel more at ease. It's all about you. You're not the woman I knew. You're a different woman. I'm thinking, what in the world is he talking about? Yes, I'm a little bit different because I'm on chemo right now. And there are side effects and bad things that happen. But usually when a man is with a woman who's got cancer and she's on a chemo treatment or course of sort, you would think he would be supportive or try and help her through. As much as she has opened up her home to him, he might open up his heart and help her. No, what this man decided to do was come at me and say, I'm done. It's not working. This is without having a conversation. No conversation ahead of time between the two of us, just him making up his own mind. He's been talking to his children. He's been talking to his priest. He's been talking to his mother. They're all one big congregation. And that's the way I felt. They just ripped him out of my life. And the thing is this, if they can, he shouldn't have been here in the first place. How do you leave a woman who's supposed to go to chemo two hours later and tell her you're gone? Bye. Sorry. How do you do that to somebody? What kind of man could do this? What kind of choice did I make? As you can see, I'm still a little beside myself here, and I'm still in the middle of that week of chemo. And stress is not good for somebody that has cancer. My numbers went up. I was there one week earlier, and my white count was too low to have the chemo that I was supposed to have. They pushed me one week, and I went, and I sat in that waiting room looking around me at all the other cancer patients that looked like walking death. You know, it's very difficult for somebody like me to sit in a room with people like them. 
because no matter where I go or how lousy I feel, I will do my hair, put my makeup on, put on a dress, put on some high heels, make myself look better than I feel. These people are probably more real than me. I don't know what the answer is. I only know what the effect is. When I look at these people that are white-complected, losing their hair, staring at the ground, leaning on walkers, thin as rails, I'm depressed. And knowing that the man that I loved and was living with me just left me, While sitting in that room, I thought I deserved to have my own little nervous breakdown. I really did. After two hours of waiting and talking myself out of that nervous breakdown, I went in, had my blood drawn, and did the chemo. And they came back with the results saying, yes, my white count was up, which is good, but the numbers that show my type of cancer also went up, and that was due to stress. So after I finished my chemo session, I got in my car, and as you can only imagine that feeling of not wanting to come home, because you know you're going to walk in to an empty house. He'll be gone. I forgot to tell you a very important piece that added to my desire for that nervous breakdown. This one will just knock you for a loop. In the mail, I received a 1099 from man number two. (laughs) Yes, and it said miscellaneous 1099, non-employee for almost $300,000. Would that not make you nuts? Not only did I receive this, open this, and try to absorb this, I realized I had to hire an attorney. And that's where I am right now, trying to figure out what in the world this man wants from me and where he gets off asking me to pay taxes on something that I've never even earned. While with him for the two and a half, three years, I never signed a piece of paper. I never said I'd marry him. I never consulted him. I never worked for him. So who gets a 1099 for doing nothing? Me. Anyway, I came home from chemo. The house was bare. There wasn't a snippet of him anywhere. Anything he brought in, he took out. There wasn't even a scent. Nothing. It was like he hired a team to come in and clean out the house. Everything was gone. It took me a couple days to get over that, along with the symptoms of chemo. It was a tough week. I reached out to the man that had turned my head before he moved in with me. And we had agreed to stay friends throughout all, which we did. I mean, I hadn't talked to him at all until after my roommate left. And we spoke on the phone a couple of nights, and then I said to him, I just, I don't feel well. I I just feel beat up. I feel like I'm this small little person in this big, bad world that people just keep coming after. Why can't people just leave me be? Why do people have to be so cruel? We talked a little bit longer, and then I said, you know, what are you doing tomorrow night? Maybe we'll go grab something to eat if I'm not sick. 
He agreed, and that's how we left it. The next day came and went. I never heard from him. <laughs> and this should be a surprise. <sighs> 11 o'clock at night, I texted him, and I said, Well, you know, there must have been some kind of mix-up in my mind. There I go, giving credit to the man again. Because I really thought we had tentative plans for dinner and that we were going to reach out to one another and see where it went. And he wrote back and said, Oh, yes, I've been working all day and we wound up working at night. And then the owner of the house invited us in for dinner. And then they brought wine to the table and we sort of started to drink a little bit. And, you know, time just got away from me. And this is the man that I had just been talking to on the phone saying how foolish I felt for being in this relationship with the man that just left me and how sorry I was for what I had done to him. And here I just had him walk all over me too. Maybe it is me. Maybe it is. I don't know. I said to him in the text, a phone call would have been appropriate. And his response was, yes, I'm sorry. I've not heard from him since. So maybe he had his own little vendetta out for me as well. You know, rightfully so. I, I did hurt him. He cared very much for me. But don't have anything to do with me then. Don't play games with me. Don't string me along and say, yeah, we'll have dinner when you don't want to. I think that's the whole thing that's got my head all screwed up is why can't people just tell the truth? If you don't like me, if you don't like something I'm doing, tell me. Maybe I can fix it. Give me the opportunity. Don't just leave. Tell me. Be honest and sincere. If you say you love me, please mean it. If you're single and you're going through anything like I'm going through, I don't sympathize. I empathize. And I'm sure you're doing the same for me. These men are crazy. Maybe we're setting our sights too high. I don't know. All I know is what I want. And if it's too much for the average man to be what I want, I'll wait. I have no problem with waiting. Rather than go through this craziness again, why is it so hard to find that perfect person? I don't mean perfect as in perfection. I mean perfect for me. You know? Where is he? And after about, I guess, a week, ten days, I don't even miss him. That's the crazy part. I'm actually relieved that he's gone. I look back at the whole scenario and I see that I was demeaning to myself. Why did I allow him to talk to me in the way he did? I must have been out of my mind. No kidding. I will never let a man talk to me like that again. Never. I just can't get over how disrespectful he was to me. And... How I could have loved anyone like this? How do you lose track of your own morals? How do you lose sight of the fact that you can't let people treat you like this? I look back even further and I know 
Every time I'd say white, he'd say black. I was always reprimanded while with him. My children mentioned it to me. Mom, does it bother you that he's always jumping in and saying negative to positive or positive to negative? Whatever you say, he says the opposite. Mom, does it bother you? And I would just wave it off because I didn't want to show them. I didn't want to be embarrassed. And I was hoping that I could talk with him and work with him on this bad, awful habit he had of being arrogantly in your face. I wanted to see if he would just calm down. But I was never even given that opportunity, obviously. And you know, the bottom line at this point, after looking back and seeing everything, things that I did wrong, things that he did wrong, us together, I just don't like him as a person. That was the biggest life lesson of all. I just don't. And what's scary is, I feel sorry for his wife. I don't know how she's withstood him for as many years as she has. And I bet that's where he is now. Back with her. God bless you both. <laughs> I just pray to God he never calls me again. I am not going to go through this ever again. Pinky swear a million times. But man, do I do a good life lesson. I learn them well. Sometimes I even do the same lesson three times before I get it. That's how well I do it. <laughs> the only thing I can say on behalf of you and me, if we're both in this type of situation, this chaos of a world, never lose sight of your sense of humor. It'll keep you going all the way. I'll talk with you again. Secretly, isn't it good to know that there's somebody else out there that's going through what you're going through or worse than what you're going through? It should make you feel like a million dollars. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of my world. If you would leave a review, it always helps to make me better. If I know you like the track I'm on, I can stay there a little longer or click a couple stars or leave a comment. Tell me how you feel. Could you have dated a couple men at the same time? Oh, thanks for listening. Your friend forever. It's Robin. Sugar Mom. A Westwood One podcast production.